Hey there, true believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that takes complex theological ideas and breaks them down into points of simply understanding. I am your host, Pastor Vinny. And I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you, when life throws a monkey wrench at your head, Jesus is still the logo, the logic, the reason, the word that builds your faith all the way back to the kingdom of God. Hey there, true believers. Welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that helps us bear down and focus on Jesus and all the good things about Jesus and why he is worthy of all of our devotion. True happiness, true joy, true power in the Christian walk is found in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And today I want to talk to you about how he wants us to manage the many stresses in our life. Before I get into that, I would like to just take a moment and to please invite you to, on whatever platform you listen to this podcast, to go ahead and leave a positive review Um say something nice in the comments, perhaps if you are kind enough to do so. This is the reason. I would just like to keep doing my podcast and I want to build an audience. It's a significant amount of work to uh, plan out these podcasts with everything else going on in life. And so I desire to be a good steward of my time since Jesus has been so kind to me to equip me with the opportunity to do many things. So if you could just like, if you're on Spotify or Apple, iTunes, whatever you listen on, uh, Google Podcasts, if you could just, you know, put a review there, put a star there, put a like there, whatever you, you would do for me, that will help other people say, hey, this has got a lot of likes or a lot of comments, so maybe I should check it out. Recently, I had a conversation with a friend, and the friend was telling me about a tremendous situation they were going through that particular week. And I remember saying to my friend, I am so sorry that you are facing this stress. I was like, you know, just trying to offer some empathy. And I remember that friend saying to me, oh, it's, it's okay because other people are going through much worse than me. Now, that's probably true. Um, we all go through a lot in life and, you know, stress is, is, is a difficult thing that everyone must face. But I said something to this friend that I want to say to you. I said, stress is accumulative, not comparative. We all swim in stress. But the truth of the matter is, it only takes a tablespoon of water to drown a human being. 
It's not how much water it takes to drown a human that matters. It's where the water is and what you do about the water. The same is true about stress and its first cousin, anxiety. Have you been feeling anxious? I would understand that we have been through one of the hardest years in modern history. You know, we all said when 2020 was over, it's going to get better. And I believe it is. And I believe we already see that happening. But here's the thing. We are just coming up on a year of this pandemic. Who would have thought that we would be in a year of all of this? We just finished our series on the book of Job and asking the pertinent question, where is God in the middle of our suffering and why doesn't God tell us why we suffer? Well, if you are suffering, if you feel stressed, if you are maybe dealing with an elevated level of anxiety, I want to tell you that you are in good company because even before the pandemic, yes, before the pandemic, 40 million adults in the USA, that's close to one in five people overall, have clinical levels of anxiety. Anxiety and the understanding of where it comes from and how to manage it is perhaps one of the most less talked about issues in the Christian church. And we need to change that narrative. We know from our recent study together of Jesus and Job that Jesus cares a lot about our mental health and he cares a lot about our emotional well-being. But often as faith communities, we discredit things like depression. We don't want to talk about our anxiety or our stress levels because after all, aren't Christians always supposed to be happy? I want to tell you both as a pastor and as a former mental health advocate, that anxiety is normal. In fact, everyone will at some point in their life deal with anxiety, depression, and stress. In fact, all of those things are just normal human emotions. But sometimes, Stress becomes distress. And I want to tell you the difference between stress and distress. And then distress can become anxiety. So stress is just normal, right? You wake up in the morning and there's a little bit of stress. And that stress makes you get up because you know you've got to go to work or get into your Zoom meeting or whatever you're doing, and it's the stress of needing to have a productive life that 
helps us to go on to college or apply for a job. I mean, if you think about it, if there was never any stress, we would just chill on the couch and never do anything. Distress, though, is when healthy stress, and we are defining healthy stress as stress that motivates good behavior, when healthy stress becomes overwhelming stress and begins to give you that like crippling effect sometimes. Um, and that too is normal because like life gets pretty complicated at times and sometimes we'll just need to take a moment and recalibrate. But then there are times that distress accumulates, not just stress, but distress, that, that disorganized, overwhelming stress. And that can develop into anxiety. And I want to talk to you today about anxiety and the fact that it's okay to talk about having anxiety and that even people who fully trust in Jesus and even people who have full flourishing relationships with Jesus still go through periods of anxiety. In fact, anxiety is just another one of those human emotions, but because the world is fallen and sinful and there are real dangers in this world, sometimes anxiety can even cripple us emotionally. So where does anxiety come from? Simple, our brains, of course. Anxiety is your body's natural response to acute distress, fear, or worry. Let's look at it this way. Your brain wants to keep you safe. In case you missed the memo, in Genesis 3, we got exiled from the garden where we were safe and warm and cozy with God. But God being the awesome, wonderful Savior that he is, as he sent us out of the garden on this massive time out, he created a system, an exchange pattern in our brains that would help us be able to deal with the very real dangers that exist outside the garden. So I want to paint a theological picture for the need of stress, a theological picture for the need of distress, and even a theological picture as to why anxiety happens because we were not created to live in or be a part of a broken imperfect world with real dangers but because of what happened in genesis 3 we now live in a broken world that's full of real dangers so god has created into our brains a system that gets triggered to help us identify danger and appropriately deal with it. Psychologists have went on to name this system that God placed in our brains to protect us from 
danger, to help us identify and process the dangers in a fallen world as the limbic system. It's a part of our brain that organizes the cross-sections of emotions, motivation, and long-term memories. And it basically tells the rest of the executive functions of your brain what to do in a moment of danger. Um, the limbic system can be summed up as subcortical structures in the cerebral cortex that process danger and your emotional memories of danger, you know? So anxiety, therefore, is simply a very productive outcome of how your brain processes past dangers you have experienced, past pain, and even past trauma, in this broken, fallen world, and then assesses through the limbic system and your cerebral cortex and subcortex uh, structures in your brain. Um, am I in current danger? So based on what I experienced in the past and what I have learned about this scary world and what I am facing right now, am I in danger? And so then that assessment that your brain comes to helps you to move appropriately. And so it prevents you like from becoming a tiger's lunch right? Or falling through thin ice or getting too close to the edge of a cliff, right? So when these processes take place in us, they are designed for us to hear the conclusions that this processes of fear and emotions and past experiences have that then protects us so that we don't put ourselves in danger because we don't live in a perfect garden where there are or were no dangers to us. Interestingly, the Hebrew scriptures paint the heart and the mind as the same thing. Like, so in Hebrew, your heart and your mind are the same thing. And the New Testament concurs with this, right? God says, I will write my laws in Jeremiah and in Hebrews on your heart and in your mind, right? So the, the Bible sees our heart and our mind as a unified thing. In Greek thinking or modern thinking, you know, we think about Valentine's and the heart is fluttering in your chest, but your brain is your analytical thing that regulates everything. But that's not true from a biblical point of view, nor actually from a scientific point of view. We may feel emotions in our chest because our heart beats faster, but really our emotions are in our head. And they are part of this limbic system that is working through our past dangers, our past experiences, and these um, ability to process and to assess danger. 
maybe you grew up watching um, cartoons or reading comic books. Those of you who listen to my podcast on a regular basis know I am a big comic book geek. One of my favorite comic books was Spider-Man. And Spider-Man had this amazing power. He called it his Spidey sense. <laughs> I don't know where Stanley came up with this idea of Spidey sense and why Spider-Man or spiders, people with spider powers would have this sense. I guess for Stan Lee, it's connected to the idea of instinct. But Spider-Man has what the comics describe as spider sense. And so when a criminal is about to hit him or a villain is about to attack him, his brain alerts him. And like in the comic book, you would see, you know, these sort of lines going out from his head to, to warn you that there's a signal or a spider sense, right? That's kind of what the limbic system does. It warns us when there is real danger. It helps us think through the danger that we face, you know. Is the tiger going to eat me or am I in a toy store and this is a stuffed animal? See, a tiger's a tiger unless our limbic system sorts that out for us. In one case, it's appropriate to get out of there in another play, another case, not so much. But sometimes, under acute or chronic, chronic meaning long-term anxiety, our limbic system or our brain begins to miscalculate the amount of danger we might actually be in. I remember Pretty early on in the original run of Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man, there was an episode where Peter Parker was sick. He had like the flu or a cold or something. I don't remember why. But his spider sense stopped working correctly. And it was like his spider sense was like on overload. And like, so anything, any movement, any anything, you know, a pin dropping would just set his spider sense off. Well, that can happen to us too. It is the point of hyper awareness in which our brain becomes overwhelmed or maybe hyper aware of minor dangers and exaggerates those dangers to us and then we become crippled by those dangers. When that happens, it becomes like our brain sabotages us. In clinical psychology, they call that level of anxiety, not normal daily anxiety, it's not stress, it's not even distress, it's not even regular anxiety, which we all have sometimes. We call that general anxiety disorder. General anxiety disorder, often referred to as GAD for short. And this is an advanced level of anxiety because our brains 
or overcalculating how much danger we're in. And when that happens in social settings and we're afraid of social dangers, we call that social anxiety disorder. When that creates us to have panic attacks and to not be able to function, we call that panic disorder. And when past memories of danger come flooding back to us and overwhelm us either asleep or awake, we call that post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD. But I want to highlight for you the spiritual side of these disorders. And I want to take the shame and the guilt away that sometimes Christians put on people. Sometimes Christians will say well-meaning things like, you should just pray about this. And if you believe in God, you have nothing to fear. Why don't you just trust God more? Well, I'll tell you something. We live in a fallen world. We have been thrown out of the garden. And in this fallen world that we live in, there are real dangers. And we don't do people, Christians or non-Christians, any favors when we spiritualize away these emotions. We have been left in a broken world. Yes, a fallen, broken world that has eons of accumulative damage done to its social structures, to its environmental structures, to even the planet's biology. If you have an unmanageable level of anxiety or perhaps general anxiety disorder or any one of the other versions of anxiety I've been talking about, as a Christian pastor, I just want to say to you today, it's not your fault. I'm going to say it again. It's not your fault. It's the fault of a fallen world, a broken world, that you have been needing to survive in. Your spider senses, to go back to Spider-Man, are stuck in overdrive. And it may be that without professional intervention, that we may not be able to overcome biological tendencies in our brain or responses to trauma or learned behavior we are dealing with from past fearful experiences or even harmful experience. It makes sense to me 
that on any given year without a pandemic, 40 million adults in the United States of America have some form of anxiety disorder. Have you looked out the window? Yeah, it's not the garden out there. We were not built for this. But God in his mercy gave us a limbic system to help us process and to assess those dangers. That's it. There is no shame in getting help, taking treatment, or learning through cognitive therapy better ways to manage your anxiety. Actually, the shame and discredit to God is to not get the help you need. The Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God, and that you are not your own? Well, guess what? Your brain is also a part of your body. And if the Apostle Paul declares that we should take care of our bodies because it's where the Holy Spirit resides, how much more, I say to you, should Christians be taking care of their brain? For that is the very point of which the Holy Spirit intersects with humans. The brain is the most executive organ of your whole body. It is literally that place that Paul is talking about where the Holy Spirit dwells and communicates with us. And it is high time that Christians woke up, smelt the coffee, and realized that we are mandated. Yes, let me say it again. We are mandated by Scripture to care for our brains as a part of our body. To neglect to do so is to damage property that belongs to God. The Apostle Paul also says, By the mercy of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So Paul is telling us, that our brains, that our emotional health, that our mental health is included in this idea of caring for our bodies. As much as Christians may say God has a plan to heal you, God has a plan for exercise, God has a plan for you to get enough sleep, God has a plan. For you to maybe lose a few of those pounds, God has a plan for your emotional and mental well-being. And if we're not cooperating with God on that, we need to get on it because Paul calls that our reasonable service. Where do you go when you get sick? You go to a doctor. Where do you go when your brain gets sick or your brain needs help? You go to your doctor. Look, you don't have to sign up for a shrink 
start with your doctor. Start with your MD. Because your brain is, as Paul has been pointing out to us, and as all of the Old Testament and New Testament, Hebrew and Greek scriptures teach us, the brain and the heart are the same thing. So if your brain is not working right, you should go see an MD. Because he will, he or she, will be able to rule out any biological reasons that your brain may not be working well. And you see, there are many biological reasons from um, hormones to um, tumors to all kinds of things that can just maybe even just be a little bit off. Sugar levels. There are all kinds of things that could be affecting the way your brain is working because your brain swims in the blood of your body, in your head, right? And only then, once your doctor has ruled out physical causes, may he refer you on to maybe a psychologist or just maybe a counselor who can assist you with learning techniques. You should not be afraid of the words psychologist or counselor or cognitive therapist. All of these categories are just people who are going to help you with whatever mental processes and functions you need to work on. And in all of those categories, there are Christian counselors and therapists that can assist you. However, I want to talk to you about seven simple steps you can take to help manage your anxiety and stress before it gets to a clinical level that would need um, too much intervention. And so I'm going to um, go through each step a little bit here and talk about it in brief and then recap it for you. Again, this is all in the context of understanding that anxiety, stress, and distress is not our fault. It's because we do live in a world that is unpredictable, that is dynamic, and that um, offers real threats to us. God, in his infinite wisdom, gave us a limbic system with executive functioning to process through these feelings that we have and to weigh them in good measure against past experiences to evaluate the amount of stress, distress, or anxiety that would be appropriate. Acute anxiety, though, becomes crippling in that it's like our spidey sense has gone into overdrive and we can't run away from danger nor fight danger. We're just overwhelmed by danger. These seven steps are 
being recommended to you to help you keep that balance before it becomes clinical or chronic, chronic meaning long term. Step number one is pretty obvious for dealing with daily and regular stress and distress and anxiety. Step number one is to start each day with prayer and meditation. Now, this is not just that we will pray away our problems. No, when we have a real problem that prayer does not address, not because God is not able, but because there's something more wrong with our brain preventing God from having correct interaction with us. And there may be a physical cause for that. But when I talk about prayer in this context, I mean it in the context of prayer and meditation. Willfully and on purpose, dwelling on the promises of God. The promise of God in Scripture. Favorite Bible verses in Scripture. And even just contemplating the fact that, yes, you are out of the garden. And yes, you are in the big, scary world outside the garden. But that God has given you your spider sense, your limbic system. And the Holy Spirit is present with you. And God is aware of your circumstances. And putting our trust every day in God. This is not enough in of itself. It really isn't. But this is step one to maintaining a normal balance. This is just step one in seven. It is not the full solution. Step two I would recommend to you is take notice of your stress level. Ask yourself, are you a little on edge today? Before you go into that work meeting or that social situation that maybe makes you feel uncomfortable or it may be a little chaotic if you're an introvert, just stop in your car, take five to ten seconds as you walk to the building and just assess how you're feeling. A lot of times our limbic systems are not able to quickly process our stress because we deny it. So something that sometimes helps me is to put a number to my level of stress. I might put it on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being, ah, I'm freaking out, I need to get some help, and one being, I'm pretty chill, and, you know, maybe three feeling like I realize it's there, but it's background noise, four, five being, you know, that's pretty par for the course, six, seven being, it's a hard day, but I can deal with it, eight, nine, ten being, you know, a little bit of a problem. But if we can identify where we are, on a stress level going into it, then we won't be caught off guard as we process it. 
Step one, start every day as a general plan of maintenance with prayer and meditation on God's promises. Step two, assess our stress level. Step three, recognize anxiety. When it is there, it is there. So if you assess yourself in step two and you find it to be a seven or an eight, do not deny it. That's what recognize your anxiety step three is about. Do not deny it. We want to get rid of it. We want to pretend it's not there. We want to push it down. It doesn't help. We actually need to process it. Step four would be to assess and accept your danger levels. Okay, step one is a general maintenance of prayer every day. Step two is to notice your stress level. Step three is to recognize your anxiety. That means whatever level you decided in step two you're at, you're not going to deny it. But in step four, we're going a little bit deeper. We're assessing and accepting the danger level that may really be there. We're going to ask ourselves questions like, am I really walking into a meeting that's going to be bad? Am I really walking into a social circumstance that's going to be bad? Or am I just remembering a previous or remembering the emotional baggage of a previous situation I was in? Before it steamrolls us, we're going to assess how much real damage or danger we are walking into and we're going to assess and accept how much of this is old baggage or as Gestalt, the psychologist Gestalt used to call it, unfinished business from the past. Um, sometimes when we fail to do this, we're making a situation that may be okay more than what it really is. The point is, if you don't label your stress or distress or anxiety, you can't know if the fear of the danger you're going into has ground. Or is it just old emotional leakage? Healthy anxiety is a superpower. It is your spidey sense. When you feel it coming in your chest or in your breathing, or maybe you're one of those people who fidget when you're stressed, you recognize it in your head, ask yourself, what is my spidey senses trying to tell me? How much danger is in this circumstance I am entering into? So step one, Start every day with a general maintenance plan of prayer and trust. Step two, notice your stress level. Take a moment and count it. Put it on a scale of one to 10. Step three, recognize your anxiety in that you're not going to try to push it down and get rid of it once you've put it on a number scale. Step four, you're going to assess and accept the danger level. You know, what is it that my spidey sense is telling me in this 
circumstance? Is this an old memory or is there really a social danger or, you know, something I should really be alert to? Step five, take a deep breath. Yep. It's basic. And breathing is the first thing we do in life. But when anxiety and panic gets a hold of us, we forget to breathe. We become crippled by our fear. And when we take that deep breath, maybe hold it for you for a few minutes, and let it out. What we actually are doing is reoxygenating our brain. We are freeing our brain up with a flood of better blood. We are helping it process. We are giving it a moment to process. And we're also mimicking a psychological release of stress. Think about it. Everyone <gasps> sighs when they're stressed or <gasps> when they're surprised. <gasps> that physical release also has a psychological impact on you. It feeds your brain with fresh supplies of oxygen and it physically Untenses your body. Um, breathing gives you a few minutes to slow down and to let the executive functions in your brain catch up with your limbic system and get your executive functions and your limbic system on the same page. Um, Often I will teach my son when he's emotional or upset. My son is eight, by the way. Just to stop. Take a deep breath. It's very therapeutic. And step six. Give it to God. You need to once you've assessed the danger, taken that breath and released it, we now need to trust God going into whatever social circumstance or work meeting or big life event that is stressing us out. And we need to cast our anxieties as the Bible tells us on God because he cares for us. We're just going to place the problem psychologically on God's shoulders and trust God to have to deal with it for us. Let me recap one through six before we move on to the last one, seven. So we're going to maintain a healthy 
gratitude, a healthy time of prayer and meditation on God's promises. This is a maintenance thing that we're doing every day to help prevent the buildup of stress before it gets acute. We're going to notice our level of stress. That's number two. And we're going to put it on a scale of one to ten. And in step three, we're going to recognize our anxiety. And we're going to take that anxiety and not suppress it. We're going to own it. In step four, we're going to access and accept the danger levels. How much of what I'm feeling on a scale of 1 to 10 and that I'm owning is real or emotional leakage? Is there real danger in the circumstance I'm in? And if there is, I need to process that so I can make a good, clear-headed decision. And if there's not, I need to assess and accept and move on. If the danger is real, then I need to take a deep breath and get ready to go to spiritual war. I need to take a deep breath and re-oxygenate my brain. I need to have that physical release from my body's tensed up, muscle cramping sort of tension. I need to take that <gasps> Number six, as I go in to deal with this situation, knowing that God is with me, I need to give it to God and let God own it. I am not cast out of the garden alone. God has sent his Holy Spirit to be with me. He has given me a limbic system and an executive function system in my brain. And he is communicating with me and guiding me in whatever stressor I am facing. And number seven, when one through six don't work, get help. Sometimes all of the above steps will not take anxiety away fast enough, will not be able to clear away the level of anxiety you're living in quick enough to deal with the circumstances. When that happens, it is time to see your medical doctor. It is at that stage that we need to go and get help from outside of ourselves. And again, Paul told us the care of our brain and our body, for they are the same thing, is our reasonable service. If we had diabetes, we would go see a doctor for treatment. If we had some other physical ailment, we would go see a doctor for treatment. If I had a migraine, I would ask to see uh, a doctor that specializes in headaches. Uh, 
If I had back pain, I would ask to see a doctor that specializes in back pain. But if my brain is not working, then I should see my doctor, rule out physical causes. This is my reasonable service. For it is the way that God talks to me through my brain. I must rule out any physical causes and treat those physical causes or be referred on to someone to assist me in learning new behavior patterns that, or thinking patterns, behavior or thinking patterns, that will help me be able to process stress quicker or more efficiently. Or maybe I have leakage, emotional leakage from past real trauma that needs to be dealt with. And there is no shame in that. Sometimes people will say to me, but pastor, don't you believe that God is sovereign? Don't you believe that God can heal me? And to that I say, yes, I believe that God can heal you. I also believe that God could create a new tire on my car when it goes flat. But you know what? I still take it to the garage. There's no shame or sin in that. For God made mechanics to fix cars. And he made counselors and Christian counselors to help fix us. There's no shame. It is a part of God's sovereignty. It is a part of how God works. We don't get to dictate the terms of healing to God. Sometimes he heals through prayer. Sometimes he heals with um, touch. Sometimes he heals with anointings. And sometimes he heals through doctors. And sometimes he heals through medicine. And sometimes he heals through counselors. True respect of God's sovereignty is giving God the right to operate in your life the way that he, not you, chooses to heal you and bring order to your life. Again, I know that in a podcast you're listening through these and it's easy to lose track of these seven steps. It's not like they are a visual list in front of you. You can review, you can rewind this podcast, you can re-listen to it all you want, as many times as you want, but I'm going to, again, recap. We're going to start every day with prayer and meditation, and this is not a cure, this is maintenance. For being connected to God is how we do spiritual maintenance. There will be other things on top of that. Step two is to notice our stress level, to put it on a scale of one to 10. Step three is to recognize our anxiety. 
it's a seven, and I'm not going to deny it. Step four is to assess and accept its danger level. Um, is this a real danger in this meeting or in this circumstance that I'm in? Or is this emotional leakage from my past or just my overactive anxiety right now? Is my spidey sense warning me of real danger or perceived danger? Step five, take a deep breath, get your brain oxygenated and let your body release the physical stress that is intention that is building in it. Step six, once you've done all those things, give it to God and trust him. Step seven is to get help because God is sovereign. And if God chooses not to heal you in steps one through six, then you must follow where God takes you next. You must go see a doctor and get some intervention. It is imperative. In Imperative that we understand a few really important ideas. It's not your fault. We are out of the garden and there are stressful things out here. And it's okay to need help with that sometimes. The Bible teaches us that our heart and our mind and our body are one. And that it is our reasonable service to care for them. Because it is through your mind that the Holy Spirit talks to you. And if you become so spiritual and you spiritualize away all mental health issues and you never address them, you may be pushing the Holy Spirit out of your life. Because if you are so tensed up and so full of anxiety or depression or any other number of psychological uh, complications that any individual in this fallen world could deal with, the Holy Spirit may not, you may not respond to the Holy Spirit in those circumstances. So our reasonable service is to get help when we need it. John says in 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. In your word soul, there's your whole being. 
Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good and that your good health and that your whole being prosper. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your whole being prospers. Jesus is worthy of our devotion. That's why we must keep our bodies and that includes our minds in healthy condition. And when our bodies are sick and when we have cared for them to the best that we can do at home, we take our bodies to doctors and hospitals to get treatment. And when we have cared for our brains and our emotions and our mental processes the best that we can at home, we do the same thing we do with our bodies because our brain resides in our body and is part of our body. It is literally an organ in your body. You take it to the same place, a doctor, and you have it assessed for medical reasons, and you get whatever help you're referred to. Because Jesus wants to be able to be in constant communication with you. Because, beloved, I pray John told us that in all respects or aspects that we may prosper and be in good health just as our soul and our whole being prospers. We give devotion to Jesus when we let our mind, our heart, and our emotions prosper so the Holy Spirit has full access to our whole being. You have been listening to a podcast by Pastor Vinnie McIsaac from simplyvinnie.com. Stop by our website, check out our blogs, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, all that kind of jazzy promotional stuff. But most important, let's keep growing together in Jesus Christ all the more as we see the day of his return approaching. See you at the next podcast. God bless.